to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. brilliant, beautiful day. In my bubble, it is Monday, which has kind of turned into one of my favorite days, not going to lie. Anyway, today, what are we talking about today? Today, I am getting around to answering a question that I received on the Instagrams, and I am very slowly, (laughs) very slowly, moving at a snail's pace, going through, finally getting back to everybody and all of their questions. So if you have not heard back from me, do not be offended. I hope to get there one day. But if you also have a question, send me a message. Let me know. And if you're not following me on Instagram, I am at littlebirdbloom. That's B-L-O-O-M. That's fun. Really enjoying connecting with you guys and ah, let us all take a deep breath because it's also in Australia coming in on the end of financial year, which doesn't really mean much other than the fact that if you want to buy anything for your business, you need to buy it on or before the 30th of June to consider it a tax write-off. Now, there are lots of ins and outs, but one of the great things about this federal government that's currently seated, pros and cons, and this is not a political debate, however, in support of small business, they are allowing you to write up one-time purchases of up to, I think, should have done my research before I talked about this, however, it's something like $20,000. Now, if you don't have $20,000, I'm not saying that you should go out there and buy anything, however, This whole idea of investing in things at the end of the financial year, because it's a tax write-off, is a very real and legit business decision. Ooh, and I am going to make a shameless plug, because I will say, if you sign up for our workshop that's happening on the 7th and 8th of July, then you can consider that a tax write-off for this financial year. So I am so incredibly excited about this upcoming workshop. I am taking the best of the best of all of the things that we know, all of the things that I have learned in other workshops, bringing it together and sharing it all with our attendees. So it will be in the Southern Highlands of Australia on 7th and 8th of July. And it's going to be good. We have booked out the most beautiful venue with the most beautiful grower, which is just amazing. And the space is just absolutely stunning. I kind of want to move in. And we're going to be showing all the ins and outs of ceiling installations, ceremony setups, bouquets, table arrangements, table centerpieces, bridal table features, so much good food, Prosecco my own handcrafted silk ribbons. But more importantly than all of that, we are going to be talking about a few key business concepts. Pricing, 
profitability. I'm going to be sharing our exact pricing model with you guys, talking about all the ins and outs, things to consider, pros and cons, all of the things. So bring your friends, show up. It's going to be so good. DM me on Instagram, email me, and I can send you all the details, but definitely get in quick. I am so excited and excited to meet you guys in person. And enough jibber-jabber. Jibber-majabber. I want to jump into helping to dissect, demystify, disillusion, lots of other fancy words I'm sure we could use, my friend's question. So the question is, the question was, do you believe it's best to focus your business model on one main thing or is it okay to consider doing weddings, corporate flowers, plus an online retail shop? So this is a very, very good question. And trust me, it's a question that I know a lot of you guys are thinking about. And technically speaking, from a business perspective, this question is specifically talking about this concept of diversification. So big word that simply means kind of hedging your bets or expanding your services beyond one core offering. And one of the things I think, well, I shouldn't say I think, that I know that you might be assuming in the beginning is, well, it's all flowers, so therefore it's all just part of the same bucket. But in actual fact, the world of floristry is incredibly intricate, it's complicated, and there are a few key concepts that I wanted to talk you through today because the short answer to her question is maybe. <laughs> or like I like to think about it in many other cases, it depends. So should I diversify? Well, it depends is the easiest way to answer that question. But that's not very helpful, is it? So I will say that from a pure business perspective, the concept of diversification is a really good thing. So if you ever talk to an investment advisor, if anybody's ever talking to you about things like the share market, they will present to you this notion of diversification because you are spreading your risk over a multitude of things. However, when you are a solopreneur, when you are working on your own, when you are a one man or more importantly, a one woman show, it is entirely possible to spread yourself too thin. So although the textbook will tell you that diversification is a good thing, hedging your bets, spreading your risk is a good thing, you also need to be very aware of the fact that you are one human being, you are doing things beyond just flowering and you are trying to get this business up and running and make it profitable. So you need to be very aware and conscientious of your time and energy. So, few things that I want to touch on for today. One, you have no idea if you're going to even like any of this stuff until you actually try it. So you have no idea if you're going to actually like doing weddings until you do a wedding. And I am the first person to give you permission to say you don't have to like doing weddings. 
that is okay. I don't give a rat's ass if what you see on Instagram looks glamorous and fun and beautiful and romantic. It is very possible that you don't like doing weddings. It's also possible that you don't like doing corporate flowers. It's also possible that you don't like doing everyday bouquets for people. All of those things are possible, but you will not know that until you try it. Because every single one of those facets of floristry involves different mechanics, different timing, different design styles, different flowers, different prep, different expectations from your clients. So the best thing you can do is sit back and reflect and go, what is it that you're drawn to? And just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that you need to take it on, right? This whole idea of just because everybody else on Instagram is showing off what they're doing does not mean that you need to do it. And I give you a complete permission slip. In fact, I will hand you an entire folder, do a tang, binder, whatever language you want to tell you that you do not need to do it. Simply because you see it on Instagram, simply because it has 8,957 likes to it, doesn't mean that it needs to be something you need to incorporate in your business. So whether or not you do corporates, whether or not you do weddings, whether or not you do daily flower deliveries, whether or not you do funerals, events, christenings, all of it, you will not know until you try. So one of the greatest things about owning your business is that you can put it out there and you can try it. And there are pros and cons to every facet of floristry. And that is why everybody has such a different business. There are different things that you like versus what I like versus what that girl over there likes versus what that dude over there likes, right? It is up to you to decide what you like and what you enjoy doing. I can guarantee you that there are people, particularly who live in big cities, who make a very viable income purely off of funeral flowers. There are also people who make a viable income off of doing weekly corporate flowers or daily posies, daily market bunches, purely doing wedding and events, purely doing workshops, purely doing education, right? All of these different facets. It is entirely possible to build a business and I will put a big caveat in here, but it is entirely possible to build a business off of any one of these categories, or you can choose to diversify and hedge your bets across a multitude of them. Now, this whole idea of being able to build a business off of one of these lines of business is based on a few different things, and I shall go into them in the following. <laughs> So the profitability of each of those lines of business, so funerals versus weddings versus daily flowers versus education, is going to be different, right? So your markup might be different. The amount of labor that you incorporate into each might be different. For example, how we mark up our product in the shop is different to how we mark up our product for funerals and events, different again to how we mark up our wedding flowers, and then different again again to how we do workshops, right? So each one of those things has a different labor component, a different retail markup, 
because they all involve different levels of service. They involve different flowers. And ostensibly are basically offering different products to different clients. So yes, they all do involve flowers. That is true, that is a fact. All of those flowers may come from the same wholesalers, they may come from the same market, they may come from the same distributor. However, they are radically different products or for the sake of simplicity, you consider them actually quite different businesses. And something else to consider is that the startup cost for each of these things is going to be different. So if you wanted to be a wedding floral designer, your startup costs are going to be very different to if you wanted to start a brick and mortar, like a physical retail shop which again is going to be different to if you were starting a workshop and education space. That's going to then be different again to if you're doing corporate work, right? So something else to consider is what are the actual startup costs going to be for that particular business? So if you wanted to start doing funeral flowers, what are the things that you need to get that business off the ground? If you wanted to start a retail business, what are the things that you need to get that business off the ground? And of course, that retail business is going to vary if you're going to be purely online or if you're going to be online and have a retail shop or, and I would not suggest this, <laughs> you have a retail shop with no online presence. Not the best business decision, but you're allowed to do it. So something else to think about is simply how much do you need to start up that business. The next point is the fact that your customers for every single one of those lines of business is actually different. They are solving different problems and addressing different needs. The bride that comes in, the bride that calls, the bride that emails, has a vastly different problem to the mum who is simply looking to send flowers to her son, saying congratulations on the birth of your baby, sorry I can't be there, which is then going to be radically different to the fancy pants hotel that is looking for flowers in their foyer, which is going to be different again to the girls looking to organize a hen's weekend flower crown workshop. All very different problems to be solved or needs to be addressed. And so because the audiences are different, their needs are different, you are actually going to be marketing your business differently for each one of those categories. So how you present your business is going to be different for somebody looking for a simple gift to take to somebody's house for lunch is going to be different for how you might solve funeral flowers and then might be completely different again for how you present yourself from a wedding and events point of view. So sit down and think about your clients. So if I go back to the listener's question and she's asking specifically about weddings, corporate flowers and or an online retail shop. 
that is three very different audiences, three very different problems to be solved or needs to be met, right? So you've got your wedding, you've got your couple that's looking to get married, that's looking for a way to bring their personality to life, add a little bit of romance and beauty to the day within a specific budget that they have. Then your corporate client is looking for a wow factor to sit on display that's going to last seven-ish days and provide for them clear value for money. You need to make that as easy as possible for them and you need to understand what their expectations are, what they're looking for and how you can easily solve that problem for them. And then the third bucket or the third clientele that our listener is thinking about is online retail shop. So this is a whole other kettle of fish, right? So you're talking about building a website, creating a catalog of product, providing online payment services, allowing your customer to input their credit card information, to select a delivery date, to be able to write a card message, knowing that you on the other end as the business owner going to get that order and you're going to be able to fulfill that product to the best of your ability on the day that they want it. So one of the things about online retail and brick and mortar retail is that you need to be like the weather people and predict the future. You need to do the best that you possibly can to know that mm, sometime this afternoon, some dude's going to walk in and want 12 or 24 red roses. And if you cannot immediately solve that problem for them, you need to be able to back up your sales process and solve the problem for them with what you have. So when you are thinking about doing an online retail business or a brick and mortar retail shop, you are a bit more at the mercy of your customer and you need to be a phenomenal salesperson to be able to sell what you have to solve the problem that they have. For example, even if you don't have a brick and mortar shop but you're looking to do online retail, your catalog may advertise blue and white bouquet you need to have gone to the market and have that product ready and waiting for your client to then put the order in to say, I want this delivered tomorrow. So you don't necessarily have as much warning as you might for weddings and events or for corporate clients. But if you're a very good salesperson, you can sell anything that you have to them to solve their problem. So once you start to dissect and understand that you actually have very different audiences that you're dealing with, your corporate clients, very different to your wedding and event client, which is very different to your online retail shop. You can then start to understand that you need to figure out how to set your business up and how to market your business to each one of those three customer groups cohesively. So even though, yes, you own one business, Every time you have a different group of clients or a different product that you want to explore, so whether that's funeral flowers, wedding flowers, workshops, 
you then need to sit down and do a little bit of thinking around what the problem is that you're solving for that client group. Every time you're solving a different problem, it's very likely that you need to go out and market yourself a little bit differently. So as I ask these questions, you can start to understand how overwhelming this whole world of trying to sort through the business of flowers becomes. Because it can become quite complicated. It doesn't need to, but it can. And the more time and energy you put into thinking through some of these things, and the more often you ask yourself, what would this look like if it was easy? So I give a lot of credit to those entrepreneurs out there who look at the floral industry and go, ooh, everyday flowers. What would this look like if it was easy? Hmm, I would go to the flower market and I would buy a mass of very similar things. And I would promote something like the Daily Posy, the Daily Bunch. And I would simply set it up in three, maybe four different sizes. I would have a very low price point and then I would have what I like to refer to as a PFO, or please fuck off, price point. I would go from $30, maybe up to like $180, knowing everybody's going to sit somewhere in the middle. That's why maybe you even go to five price points. Because you want a really low price point to make it look accessible. And you want a really high price point simply to make your middle products look less expensive. It is a legitimate marketing tactic. If you ever go into the grocery store, you will see things that have a really high price point on them simply to make everything else look cheap. Easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So get them back on track, Kathleen. But every time you think about, ooh, I want to know or I want to put some thought into whether corporate flowers are the right thing for me. Think about what the problem is that you're trying to solve. So in, in the world of corporate flowers, most often they are looking for a weekly flower delivery for you to come in and set up, display most often the people who are at the hotel or the business are not going to take care of it themselves. And then either they want it to be exactly the same every single week they want it to sit in within a specific kind of family or vibe or brand guidelines every single week. Or on the other extreme, they want it to be dramatically different every single week. So there are pros and cons to every facet of floristry. And you need to figure out which ones of these feel right to you. One of my favorite things about owning a business is that you can change your mind at any time. 100%. If you hold contractual commitments to clients, please hold up your end of the bargain and get the work done. But you could decide tomorrow. In fact, you could decide this afternoon. You could decide next week. You could decide on October 15th that you no longer want to do weddings. You don't have to take any more weddings on board. You do need to commit to the weddings that you have committed to, to commit to get the business done. However, you don't have to accept any more new clients. The same thing goes for everyday flower delivery. You can, at this moment in time, 
decide you don't want to do everyday flower delivery anymore and not accept any more orders. You will fulfill the ones that you have been paid for, but you don't have to do anything new. Same thing goes for corporate flowers. If you have a contract, read that contract. Understand the rules and regulations in the box that you work in. Put your big girl pants on and you'll deal with it. But you don't have to take any more corporate clients on if you decide that you don't want to do corporate flowering anymore. Easy as that. You get to change your mind at any time. It's the beauty of owning a business. So, my next thought. The whole notion around floristry and something that your average person does not understand is that floristry is a very localized business. We still, (laughs) this makes me laugh, but I reckon it's a good litmus test for everybody. We still have people walk into our shop. Ooh, even better. We still have clients who call the shop, pick up the phone and they call the shop asking us to put in a flower delivery to some area that we don't actually deliver to. They know that it's going to be a, in quotes, interflora order, but they think that they're doing us a favor by giving us the business. Now, most likely, they are of a age bracket where phoning a different city was probably very expensive at the time. So there used to be a day and age where people used to have to pay for long distance. And many florists made a huge amount of money or a huge amount of revenue, I should say, off of network orders. So being part of a petals, teleflora, interflora network, right? So we live in a market that's very old. It's very traditional, (laughs) but I laugh. When people ring the shop, they pick up the phone and they call us so that we could call another florist and put an order in for them. The irony is very funny. But you, as the business owner, have a very intimate understanding. You know that you cannot live in Adelaide and directly deliver flowers to somebody in Darwin. You cannot live in LA and directly deliver flowers to somebody in New York. You cannot live in London and directly deliver flowers to somebody bing turn your phone off Kathleen you cannot live in London and directly deliver flowers to somebody in Amsterdam now that might be an exception because you might be able to but you get the point right so You need to figure out, this is a very functional question, but you need to figure out because your business is going to be localized, it's going to be limited by a certain level of geography, how far are you willing to travel? How far is your delivery person willing to travel? Very functionally, what is the size of your audience? Now, if you live in a city, you are at a distinct and a massive advantage, right? You could set up a florist right next to another florist and both of you guys can cater to a totally different audience because you simply have access to the population. If you're like us and you live in a small town, you are going to be constrained by the physical distance that you need to travel and by the lack of population where you live. So we deliver our flowers within approximately a 30 minute radius approximately. We will make an exception 
for events and wedding flowers, but we charge a premium to our clients for that. We do not do daily flower deliveries outside of that 30 minute catchment. We know some florists in the area that will, and that's fine, their business, their rules. We just don't wanna be sending our delivery driver out on something that's gonna take her more than an hour to finish. So, we have physical limitations in the fact that where we live and how far we are able to actually deliver those flowers means that we cannot tap into things like the Sydney population, the coastal population. It's all just too far for us, and that is fine. The other hiccup that we have to deal with is that there are no large chain hotels or corporate clients in this area that are willing to pay any money for weekly corporate flowers. So it's just not something that we do. And I am fine with that. I also know on the complete flip side that there are florists in Sydney who do their entire business. Entire business revolves around corporate flowers. They go to the Sydney flower market once a week, they do their arrangements, they zip around and drop them off, and they're done again for another week. They may go in later in the week just to care for it, make sure it's all topped up with water because that's part of their contract. But you get the point. You get the point that you need to take on board the fact that your access to your clientele is going to be physically constrained by your locality. So if you live in a city, you're at definite advantage. If you live outside of the city, you need to take it on board. And why is that? Well, the biggest thing is that flowers, by definition, are a luxury product. That means that if your economy is ever going into a recession, people are tightening up the purse strings, people are not spending as much money, flowers are 100% a discretionary expense. And I know that there are going to be those of you that argue, yeah, but I've got people that come in every week and pay for them. Yeah, because they see value in it and they are the exception to the rule. 100% the exception to the rule. So, flowers are a luxury product, which means that you need to have a certain level of population, number of people, who are willing to pay for this luxury product to keep your business sustainable. Do they see value in what you're offering? If you took your total footprint of who you have direct access to, of your clientele within that total footprint, how price conscious are they? Do they see value in the floristry services that you are providing? It's a very simple question with a sometimes tricky answer. But just spend a little bit of time thinking about what your actual, like count up the number of people, and this is, sounds a little bit crazy, but if you live in a city and you know that you are targeting women between the ages of, mm, 25 and 65, 
Here's a fun fact and something that you actually could do. If you live in a city, Google Bureau of Statistics, type in the city that you live in, type in the demographic of your ideal client. So you could put in an age range of somewhere between, let's say, 25 to 45 or 35 to 55 or 45 to 65. Female. And figure out how many of those people actually live in your area. Then, no matter where you live, I am assuming that there is some sort of Bureau of Statistics. They are going to give you charts and charts and charts and charts and charts of data. But you could then actually look up women who make a higher than average household income between the ages of what your ideal client is and just figure out how many people are in that catchment area in your city. I consider that a slightly and marginally fun exercise. You may not, but it is fascinating. Now, I was quite naive when we moved down here before we bought the shop that we own currently. We thought it would be a good idea in our little trial and error experimentation mentality to try and set up a retail flower business. And I am grateful that I had no idea what I was doing at the time because it was real fun. We rented out a little room, like the front room of what was a very high-end clothing company business. Beautiful miner's cottage space white washed walls, timber floors. It was stunning. I love it. I still love that space. Of course, now the real estate agent has moved in there, but that's fine. Good memories. I didn't necessarily, well, I can pretty much guarantee you, I didn't put any thought into thinking about who our ideal client was. No, let me correct myself. I knew who our ideal client was. I didn't put any thought into how many of them actually live down here. More importantly, how many of them are actually going to spend money on flowers? Fun fact, we live in an area where people most often have properties that are like a quarter of an acre, half an acre, or an acre. There's lots of room, room to breathe. Also surrounded by a record number of old people. Old people with beautiful and traditional gardens. So why are they going to go out and buy flowers when they can go out into the garden and buy roses? It's very interesting when you stop and actually think about these things, when you realize that the majority of people who are buying flowers for our area actually do not live here. So one of the most important decisions we made was building out our website. The point of that whole diatribe is to say, sit down, pen and paper, computer and keyboard, do a little bit or a big bit of brainstorming, brain dumping, thinking about who your ideal client is, and what problem you can solve for them. There are an infinite number of ways to solve that problem. So if you think you are drawn to doing weddings and events, how would you, as the owner of your business, want to solve that problem for your client? What is the problem that your client has? What kind of floristry they're looking for? What kind of value can you offer them? Corporate clients, same thing. What problem can you solve for your corporate clients? 
How you go about that has an infinite number of possibilities. And I will encourage you to answer that question with what would that look like if it was easy? One of my favorite, favorite, favorite floristry stories is from Florette in Washington, America. She created a kind of DIY wedding bucket product because she knew what it would look like if it was easy for her is, oh, get your clients to pay the premium for wedding flowers, but make it easy for the florette team to pull flowers together because all they're doing is choosing a color palette. Beautiful. It's a beautiful solution to a very real problem. People wanted beautiful flowers. People weren't necessarily fast on the type of flowers, so she offered DIY buckets. Her team could just go along, create buckets in a specific color palette. Bam! Get it out the door. Easy peasy. I love that question, and I am thriving off of that question in the last six months. What would it look like if it was easy? Now, that is a total tangent. So Kathleen, let's pull it all back in. This question around, should I diversify? Should I consider doing weddings, corporate flowers, on online retail shop? I will even add in there funerals, event flowers. Should I open a brick and mortar shop? All of the things. So many good questions to ask yourself because there is no right answer. One thing you need to realize, I will say two things you need to realize. One, from a pure business perspective, your accountant, your investment advisor will tell you that diversification is a good thing. I will tell you, on the flip side of that, you are one human being. You need to be very aware of how you spend your time and energy. So, a few questions to answer your question. <laughs> are you even interested in doing and making and crafting corporate flowers? Are you even interested in doing and making and crafting daily flower deliveries, weddings and events, workshops, funerals? corporate flowers, all of the things, right? They're all actually different designs, different mechanics, different flowers, different timelines, different, different, different. Of all of those things, which ones are you drawn to? They all have their pros, they all have their cons. They all bring joy to the world, yes? But think about it. The answer is not wrong or right. On top of all of that is your profitability in each of those lines of business or product are going to be different. How we mark up our product in our retail shop is very different to how we mark it up for a workshop, which is very different to how we mark it up for a wedding, for a funeral, for events, all the things, right? So your business model and how you're going to make money off of those things is going to be slightly different. Yes, it all involves flowers, but you need to realize and you need to remember the level of service and the value that you're offering your clients, because each one of those clients is also different, is going to be different. So it's like having lots of little mini businesses all within your big business, which is why I think it's fun, but you might think it's crazy. So the third area to think about is what are the startup costs for each one of those little mini businesses? If you wanted to get into corporate flowers, what kind of 
cost you need to get going? If you wanna get into daily flower deliveries, what are the actual costs in terms of making that happen? If you wanna get into online business, if you wanna get into brick and mortar business, if you wanna get into weddings and events, workshops, education, what are all the costs associated with each one of those? Because they're all going to have different startup costs associated with them. They're also all going to have different maintenance costs. But again, that all ties back into why each one of them is different from profitability point of view. Then, your clientele. So every single one of those lines of business, funerals, corporate, online everyday flowers, workshops and education, weddings, events, brick and mortar retail shop, you're all extricating to a different clientele. So every single one of those floristry products or lines of business is going to solve a different problem. Motivations are going to be different for each group of those clients. Sit down, think about it, put some thought into it. If you're super keen and super eager, Google Bureau of Statistics and enter your city. Remember that floristry is a localized business. You are going to be limited physically limited by how far you're willing to travel and how many people live in that area. If you live in a small town and you want to make a full-time living off of floristry, I can pretty much guarantee, few exceptions, but I can pretty much guarantee you are going to have to diversify. Again, totally caveat, asterisks, brackets, footnote, all the things depends on how much money you need to make the living that you want to have. So the challenge with this question of should I diversify across different lines of business is that it basically raises about 15 different questions. So I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> but just lots of things to really make you think. But most importantly, I want you to remember that you can change your mind at any time. Do not beat yourself up if you decide that a brick and mortar retail shop is no longer for you. Do not beat yourself up if you decide that in 2020, 2021, 2022, you no longer want to take wedding and event business. Do not beat yourself up if you decide you no longer want to put on workshops. You do not know until you try. And they're all very different products, very different service offerings. And there is nothing to lose and everything to be gained by trying. And remember that you can change your mind at any time. Okay. That was me talking in circles, but I really hope that was helpful. If you want to hear me talk in circles, <laughs> go back and listen to more podcast episodes. Easy as that. Anyway, if you have a question, do send me a message on the Instagrams. I am working my way through it. So if you haven't heard back from me yet, don't fret. I shall get there. Send me an email. I would love, 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 like capital L-O-V-E, to meet you in person at our July workshop. And if not, I completely understand I am putting out there, my big, fat, hairy, audacious goal is that one day I will be doing workshops in Canada and the UK and I'm sure other places in the world, but those are the two that are immediately on my heart. So, putting it out there. We shall see. 
And I hope you have a beautiful day. I am sending you lots of love no matter where you are. I am a little bit jealous if you're in the Northern Hemisphere because it means that it's the middle of summer. And here it is cold and wet and raining. But flowers need hibernation. And so do people. So I'm sure that's all for the betterment of the world. But I'm sending you guys lots of love and have a beautiful day. And reach out if you have any questions. Follow me on Instagram. I am at littlebirdbloom. And have a beautiful day. Bye for now.